welcome to the monthly Skill Bite Show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, I am delighted to have with us Gail Carson, otherwise known as the Funky Old Broad. Gail bought a business one year out of college and proceeded to diversify its sales base from one to seven divisions and eventually became the largest independent organization in its industry. As CEO, Gail managed a diverse staff of over 350 people. Gail was also president of the Carson Research Center, where she served as a consultant to 50 industries on six continents, advising them on current business trends and cutting-edge opportunities to stay ahead of their competition. Gail's the author of five books, and she's hit the Amazon bestsellers list. She was also a winner of the Bestseller Quill Award and was inducted into the National Academy of Bestselling Authors. Selected as the 2007 Legend of the Speaking Profession, Gail hosted Entrepreneur's Women in Business radio show, and she currently hosts a dozen radio shows per month and is the founder of the SOB, as in Funky Old Broad, RadioNetwork.com. Gail, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, Judy, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm not quite sure. Um, how did you start a business one year out of college? I mean, most people don't even know what they want to do at that point. <laughs> well, you know, I was very lucky, Judy. I always knew what I wanted to do, not exactly in the form that it took, but I always knew, you know, I loved the stage and I loved singing. I loved dancing. I loved all of that. And I also started modeling in college. And so I, when I went to school, I really realized I had brain, you know, which I guess I always do, but I thought, well, you're going to have your mind a lot longer than you're going to have your body, so how can you incorporate everything, and I decided that I wanted to own a modeling school, and so when I moved to Miami, which is, you know, about, I don't know, 1,500, 3,000 miles from home uh, down in Florida in Miami, I said, you know, uh, this is where I want to work, so I went to five different schools and decided uh, and interviewed and decided where I wanted to work and um, got the job there making $13 a week and uh, figured out how within, well, within 90 days, I was making $100 a week. I figured out how to do that. And within that eight months, I bought it. She wanted to sell and I wanted to buy and I bought it for no money down and paid it off, you know, over three years. and. as soon as one was paid off, I opened another, and that's how I ended up with a seven, seven locations. Wow. Pretty awesome. <laughs> and then we went from that to the Carson Research Center? Well, what happened was uh, I actually turned all of this into career school, so we taught much more than modeling. We taught court reporting and fashion merchandising and travel and real estate and all of that. And um, I always gave uh, speeches as uh, part of how I got students 
because that was something I had been trained in, how to speak in front of a group. And so that's what I did. I must have given 10,000 speeches, free speeches, before I ever went into paid speaking. And after 21 years, I sold the company and went into speaking. And as a speaker, uh, people asked me to consult and to coach. And that's where all the other things came from, the, the writing of the books and the uh, developing of, of different curriculum. I always develop curriculum for my schools, but it was really because of uh, all the work I was doing as a speaker, people loved the message I was giving and brought me in as a coach and a consultant. And that's how that all started. Uh -huh. So I can definitely see the connection now. <laughs> now today you're going to be talking to us a lot about getting media publicity, which is a topic that's so important to business owners uh, and especially to authors. Can you share why it's important? Why is getting in the media so important? Because nobody knows who we are. That's the problem. I mean, we, we think that we have, you know, we've, we've reached these pinnacles that everybody must know who we are. And in reality, nobody knows who we are. And many people sit there watching guests on television or listening to people in the, on the radio and saying, I could say it better than they do, or why didn't they call me? I can do this. Well, they didn't because they don't know who you are. So there's a whole methodology of how you get on radio, how you get on TV, how you put your uh, proposals, your segment proposals together. And the reason that you want to do that is because you want more and more people to know who you are, because otherwise, how are they going to find out about you? Of course, we have social media. There's a lot that you can do today that you couldn't do many years ago. But still, when people see you or hear you, it makes such an impact and such a difference. That's the reason they need the publicity. Great. So you mentioned that there's a, a process to follow to get on TV or radio, can you share with us some of the steps of that process? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. First of all, you've got to make sure that the show that you want to go on uh, is the one that is for you. For example, uh, right now, as you said, I'm known as the uh, Dr. Gale SOB, Spunky Old Broad. Well, I auditioned, well, auditioned, let's say, you know, for 11 different shows which is a little bit different than, than how you would normally go about it. But I, I got 11 of them, and two did not use me. Why? Because one was in L.A., and it was a younger audience. And certainly this was not the person who was the SOB. So I didn't get that one. And then the other one was the Fox station in Connecticut in Hartford. And she said, oh, my gosh, I could never tell my boss about you. And I said, why? And he said, she said, well, he, he, he would just, he wouldn't know what to do. You're an SOB, a spunky old broad. I can't tell him that. Well, you know, that was a hoot because all the other stations used me because I was the SOB and they loved the idea of it. So you've got to make sure that, that the station you go to or the program you go to is the one that's suitable for your material. So that's number one. Number two, you have to have the kind of segment that they're interested in. For example, I gave uh, two, I did two shows in one day at two different stations in Phoenix. Uh, one, I did my normal 
you know, the three worst mistakes to make when starting a second career. But the second one didn't want a talking head. So what I did was I went to the other station, changed into my workout clothes, and did a workout segment for seniors and actually did exercises because I always travel with my my uh, ropes and things like that. Uh, so they they could see the exercises. I did them in a chair, and I did chest, I did legs, I did arms. I did it all sitting down so that seniors who are not really uh, able to walk a lot or things like that couldn't do these exercises. So I had to do completely different things because they wanted an activity. So you, you just have to be able to suit what the program wants. And so when I talk about segment proposals, it's sending to the producer, and you have to find that out by either calling the station or by watching the show and watching all those credits roll by at the end, and send them a proposal on one page that tells them what you're going to do. And you need props. You need, um, uh, 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 for instance, my, my shtick was the three worst mistakes to make when starting a second career. So it's got to be tangible, and it's got to be something. And, and if you can tie in celebrities as well, which I did with um, Suzanne Summers, who was then on Dancing with the Stars. I did with Henry Winkler, who everybody knew as the Fonz, but he writes children's books. So I, I gave examples. And Betty White, you know, that Betty White was the, was the ultimate example. So uh, that's what you really have to do. Um, are there more things in, in specific to getting an interview that you can share? Well, the most important thing is, of course, getting the producer on the phone. And that is probably your most difficult task. Number one, they're all overworked. Number two, when their deal is over, and most of these shows are morning shows. I've done a few late afternoon shows, but most of the shows are morning shows. And those producers are there at 5 o'clock in the morning. So when those shows are over, let's say at 9, they're out of there because they've been there already a long time. So it's really getting to the producer. And that is not an easy thing. Number one, producers are always changing. I've been to one station four times, and I've had four different producers. So they change all the time. Secondly, it's hard to get them to call you back. They sometimes read your emails. Sometimes they don't. Uh, they respond to texts, but you have to have their phone numbers in order to do that. Their personal cell phones, which are, is not easy to get. So the, one of the hardest things is getting hold of the producer. And if you can do that, uh, that's the way to do it. And one of the suggestions I have is to get them within 15 minutes after the show ends, because otherwise they're just not there, because everybody's doing the task of five other people at this point. So that's a very big key. Okay. So let's suppose you get that interview. Do you have some tips for us on how to make sure that the interview is the best you can do, the most effective for you? Well, it's interesting, Judy, because it really is a crapshoot. I mean, you never know where the host is going to go. Now, you do provide uh, basic, not basic questions, but you talk about, I always send in three main points, and you should always have statistics to back you up, and again, examples and props and things like that. 
But for example, I was in a um, on an interview in Palm Springs, and I've been on that station a couple of times. This was a new host, and I was talking about the three worst mistakes and so forth. And so this person, and I was also talking about mentoring. This was an example of mentoring because I had been on the station two or three times, so I was giving them a different uh, viewpoint. And so I didn't say anything about having a group in Palm Springs. I didn't have anything. All of a sudden, the host, who was a substitute host, said, and so how many people are in your program in Palm Springs? Well, the answer was nobody because I didn't have one in Palm Springs. So I just, you have to be, you just have to be ready for whatever they ask. And I said, well, you know, it's very flexible because people are coming in and out all of the time. So it just depends on when it is as to how many people are really taking the mentoring program and who I work with. And then we went on to other things. But you have to be prepared for whatever the host throws at you because it may not be what you have programmed yourself to do. However, the most important thing is that you have to be ready with your three points. No matter how they try to throw you off, you have your three points that you want to make. Like I have the three worst mistakes, so I talk about those three worst mistakes. You have to be ready and get those out, or you're not getting your message out. But you also have to be able to respond to the host. So flexibility is a very important key. And I know you work with authors, and I interview a lot of authors. And it's very interesting because some of them are great in writing, but they're not necessarily great in speaking on media. So they really need to rehearse, be ready, and just for anything that happens. I did the, um, I do the book fair every year, the big international book fair in Miami. We interview the authors, and some of them are a hoot, and they're great, and others you feel like you're, you're kind of dying on the vine. So um, if an author wants to get on media, whether it's radio or TV, they need to have a personality. Okay, so how do you get a personality if you don't have one? Well, I would, I would really, uh, it sounds crazy, and of course you can do this now with a cell phone, I would practice on a, on a recorder of some sort. Uh, I would even, if you're going to do TV, I would even uh, record yourself uh, on video because, and you can do all of this now on your cell phone, just to see how you come across. And then go to someone, you know, who, who is a friend who will be honest with you or even a stranger if you want a really true opinion and ask, well, how did it come across? What did I sound like? Did you learn anything? Did I make sense? And they will tell you. And, of course, that's what I do. I do media training. I get people ready for radio and for television. So we would learn all of that in the course. But the whole point is to uh, get up there and be ready. And remember, you are the expert. You are the expert. People would not be watching you or listening to you if you were not the expert. And that's what you have to remember. Good advice, because... I think a lot of people assume that if they know something, then everybody else knows it as well. But that's not the case at all. Yeah, I'm sure you found that out in, in coaching your authors. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it really is amazing how many people are not aware of things that we uh, personally take for granted. So, yeah, and, and it's very important to make those basic points. 
For example, one of my points is when in the three mistakes is being afraid to learn new skills, which of course is usually technology. And that's one of the things that when people who are over 50, let's say, go back to try to get a second career. Uh, in fact, I'm speaking on reinvention at a big conference uh, in, a, in a few weeks. And it's very interesting how people, well, you know, it's too hard. It's a, well, you have to. You have to learn this if you want to be a hired because the whiz kids of today, I mean, it's like nothing. It, it, you know, my, my, the, I'm sure your kids, the grandkids, my, my um, great-grandkids, they can, they can operate technology uh, better than people who are, you know, even 25 or 30 because they're all brought up on it. Right. Yeah, I can remember when my three-year-old son changed my ringtone. I don't know how he figured out how to do that. <laughs> yeah, so you say three years old, but it's true. It's so true. Yep. So just out of curiosity, what were the other two biggest mistakes that... Well, one of them is um, thinking you're too old. And so one of the things that I talk about is remembering all the times when you won trophies and when you were the star and the things that you accomplished growing up that, you know, you, you didn't even think about because it was just so natural for you. Like, um, I mean, I would not be afraid to go anywhere and start, but I can tell you coming to Florida at 20, uh, one, and uh, actually, you know, going into business, there was no fear because I just knew that I could do it. And as much as I know now, I wonder if I would be more hesitant to do the same thing at this point in my life. But um, it's so it's thinking you're too old. It's uh, the technology, and it's also uh, being open to change. Yeah, you better be open to change if you're running a business. Oh, no question. I mean, there's something that you've not even thought of today that's going to happen tomorrow that's going to change everything that you do. Definitely. It's, it's the one thing that always changes is change. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and it's just, to me, it's so much fun to always be learning. I had dinner last night with someone, and she said to me, Gail, you're, you're the one person I know who is always learning, always studying. I mean, I am. I'm always going to conferences. I'm always going, I'm listening to webinars, the cello seminars. I'm always reading books. I'm always, you know, trying to get the latest thing. And I'm not a spring chicken. So the whole point is you just never stop. That, that you don't stop until you stop. And that's basically it. Yeah, that's actually the way to stay young, right? Yeah, absolutely. In all the interviews you've done, and the um, and the shows that you've done, what are some of the mistakes that you'd write, you you can point out so that uh, we we avoid them? One is um, going on too long. Now, if you're on TV, you only have three minutes, so you've got to get everything out in three minutes. And even though three minutes doesn't sound like very long, when you're on there, it seems like forever. But then actually. It's over before you even know it. So it's getting your message down to three minutes. On radio, it's giving enough breaks so the host, like you, Judy, can get a word in edgewise. 
I mean, sometimes I've had people I've just had to break in because they're going on and on and on. So it's the pacing, but on TV, it's you got three minutes and that's it. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like a really short period of time. And if you've got three things to say, you'd better know how to move the conversation to your three things. That's it. And also, if you have some kind of props to demonstrate, makes it more interesting than just a talking head. So, for example, for my uh, thinking you're too old, I had a little trophy, uh, a little miniature trophy to remind you of the, all the wins that you've had in your life. For the technology, I had the flip phone as compared to the, uh, you know, the iPhone or the Android or whatever. And, you know, so I, I had different uh, props all the time to, to, to really show the difference in what I was trying to say. And it worked out very well. When I did my exercise segment, I did, I had my bands that I carry with me. So I used those. And then I even took water bottles that they had at the studio, and because I, I don't carry weights because they always think they're pipe bombs when I go through the airport. So I don't carry weights anymore. So what I did was um, take the water bottles and I used that to show biceps, triceps, things like that. And it, it worked out well. You can't take water bottles on the airplane either, but you can get yeah, them exactly. readily. But the, but the station has, that's the one thing the station has was water bottles. <laughs> Any other mistakes that you think we ought to know about? Well, I would also, especially, of course, radio, not, you know, it doesn't matter. But TV, you are a vision on TV. That's your appearance. That's what they're going to remember. So you need to look the part. For example, if you are in the medical profession, if you are a doctor or something, wear the white coat. Keep a stethoscope around your neck. That is okay. If you're talking about, if you're a business person, then you need to be dressed in a business way. Men, of course, in a suit, uh, tie. The and of course, you see all kinds of things on TV now. But a suit and a tie, you're you're a business person. If you're a woman, you want something that's a business appearance. It can be a dress. Doesn't have to be a suit, but it can be a suit. But it's got to be that way. And your makeup has to be good. Don't think anybody's going to do your makeup for you. This, these are not, this is not the Today Show or Good Morning America. So you're doing your own makeup. Make sure that your makeup is good. Make sure your hair is good. Um, uh, all of that. I mean, I'm, a, I'm just amazed sometimes how people actually go on TV with no makeup and their hair is astray. And so one of the things that we do if we do a one-on-one -on -one coaching type thing is uh, we'll work on your appearance as well. However, that's a key because people are impressed by how you look, and that's very important. Great. Yeah, they they say that um, people get an impression of you in, what, three seconds or something? Yeah, I think it's really about seven seconds, but that's not very long. It's like a blink, <laughs> and, and that's, that's what they remember. And so... And it's really interesting to see the morphing of people as they get more and more television appearances, how they have improved what they look like. However, it's, it's key if you want to keep getting them and, and keep working. 
Right. I mean, if the first one doesn't go well, then there may not be a second one. Yeah, and, you know, producers talk to each other, and there's a, some of them are very friendly with other people in other uh, cities around the country. And that's another thing I think that people need to be aware of, and I want to say, because I would be uh, neglectful if I didn't. It costs you money to do this, because these are not networks like, um, as I said, Good Morning America or the Today Show or uh, CBS Early Morning Show. It's, it's, you know, you pay your airfare to go. You pay your hotel to stay in. You pay your meals to eat. So it's not a cheap thing. And if you uh, are bumped, which you might be bumped because of, of some horror that happens in the world, you're going to be bumped. You're not going to be on. And you may not be on the next day or the next day because they've got that already planned. So you may have spent all this money for naught, and that's a part of it as well. Boy, that would be pretty frustrating, but I'm glad you made us aware of that because you ought to know that going in. Yeah, one of the things that I do when I train people is I give them the, the good, bad, and the ugly. You know, I mean, I really tell them what's involved so there aren't any surprises. I mean, it happened to me. I was on an early morning show in Arizona. Some, I think it was Tucson. No, it wasn't Tucson, but it was somewhere. New Mexico. It was out in the West somewhere. And I was at the airport, and just everything happened. I think there were three or four flights that got canceled. Weather was bad. It was just, and it wasn't because I took the last plane. I was there a long time. I mean, they kept transferring me from one plane to the other. Well, by the time we really figured out that nothing was going to be flying, uh, the station, of course, was closed. My producer wasn't there. So I called and got somebody. I don't know if it was a cleaning person or who it was, but I finally got somebody. I said, look, I'm supposed to be on the air at 8 a.m. in the morning, and I am not going to make it, and I need to let the host know. You must get me the phone number of somebody. Well, they did, and I got an assistant, assistant producer, and I called them, and I gave them plenty of notice, I mean, the night before, and I never was on that show, ever, because whatever it was, that host did not like the fact that I canceled, and I had no control over it, so that happens as well. Unfortunately, yep. Uh, yeah. It's a shame that they didn't understand that it was outside your control. But uh, I mean, I could have gotten there. I think I was going to be on at 9 in the morning. And I think they finally got me on a plane that was going to land at 7.30 or something. But uh, And I was going to, you know, race to the station and so forth. But that was not good enough for them. They didn't want to take the the chance that I would not make it. And I could understand that because, since you know, three planes had canceled already. Uh, anything could have happened. So tell us some of the funniest things that have happened for you while you've been a, a media host or while you've been um, the, the interviewee. Well, um, as a, a talk show host, which is what I am, I do 12 shows a month, and I'm just starting another one uh, in about three weeks. So I do 12 shows a month, and I will be doing, I guess, about 16 by the time uh, this is about another, you know, six, eight weeks. Um, I guess the, the, the worst thing that has happened, I won't say uh, humorous, but the worst thing is when I do get an interviewee who just 
have nothing to say. They've had this big buildup, but you get them on, and they're, they, you just are pulling things out of them. And you're really doing the show. They're not. Maybe they answer yes, no, maybe. But they that's the worst thing that has ever happened, when I've had a bad guest, when they just don't respond. And I really try everything I can, because I'm a pretty good interviewer, but I just I couldn't get anything out of them. That's the worst that has happened to me. Um, I think in terms of the most humorous thing is when I've gotten other people who, and this has been mostly video, uh, you know, the TV, when I've gotten other people who are in the uh, on the set who didn't expect to be in a segment, in a segment. And uh, like when we did the exercise, uh, senior exercise, my host did it with me, and then they pulled somebody else in as well. So um, that's been, I think, the most fun. That would be fun. I can imagine they're surprised if you pull somebody in who wasn't expecting to be on the air. Of course, they've got to be willing to do it. But, you know, they're pretty good sports. And, and so, yeah, it, um, it, it, it's been interesting. But the, the great thing is that the, the shows that like you will have you back. I mean, I've been on uh, a few stations that I've been on two, three, four times. And uh, they enjoy having you. And uh, it's worked out very, very well. And I think, I think the most important thing that everybody also needs to realize is this does not make you a star. But what it does is if you're clever, you get copies of your appearances. And what I did was I put them into what's called a sizzle reel. So when I do my speaking, I am brought on with my sizzle reel. And when you see all the stations I've been on, all the networks I've been on, it positions me as the expert. Now, that and a dime will get you nothing if you don't do a good job once you're up there. But at least they look at me and say, she must know something. And then I've got to be good on stage, of course. But it's, it's, a, it's a way of introducing yourself and getting you to stand out from the pack. Right, yeah. A good sizzle reel is very important. And that sort of clues me in on... Another point that I'd love to hear from you is how to exploit the appearance after you've had it. What can you do to get the biggest bang for the buck? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, you can get the clip and put it on your website. All my media clips are on my website. My radio shows are on my website. Um, and every I send out a newsletter every week. And the guests that are on my radio show that week are in the newsletter so people can can actually uh, hear them from the newsletter. So that's one thing. Social media today is one of another way. You can post it on whatever you want. I mean, uh, you can do uh, Instagram. You can do uh, Facebook. You can, I mean, there's just Twitter. You can tweet all these things out. So there's a lot that you can do with social media. And then, um, you know, that's the best way. To get it out in whatever missive you send out, mine is a newsletter, and then also in your social media. And that gets the message out and people become aware that you are you are doing things. Okay. It's a shame when people do things like get an interview and then they 
don't do the follow-up because they're missing out on so much. Well, <laughs> that, that, but see, all of that is effort, Judy. And um, a lot of people want the prestige or the glamour or whatever you want to call it, but they don't want to do the work afterwards. And that's the whole key to getting more publicity and more press. So it's, it's uh, important to, to do all of that. And that's why you really need a strategy. It's not just getting on a show. It's what you're going to do with the show after it's done. And with all my people that I interview, I send them a link. I tell them when it's going to be on air because we record and then, then it's on air. And since I'm on so many different shows and so many different networks, uh, it's on several times. And then we send links to them that they can put on their websites and so forth. So they can utilize it that way and direct people to go and listen to what they've done. Okay. So you now have 12 radio shows. Why so many? Well, because I have different genres. One of them is uh, women in business. And that's why I only interview women who are in business or are in are senior managers. Then I have a show called, and there's four of those, so one a week. So there's four right there. Then we have the um, Living Regret Free Show. And I interview both men and women who can show people how to have a better life. And uh, so that's another four shows. And then I have the SOB Radio Network, which is my own network, where I, I work with women 50 plus, and I have women over 50 who are hosts on my network. So I have about 20 women over 50 who are doing shows on my network. And uh, that is for women. I only interview women who are 50 plus and show that life doesn't stop them and how exciting it can be. And now I'm starting another show with a co-host called The Power of the Heel. And it's all about how women need to be strong, how we have to have a voice for ourselves. Uh, we will talk about sexual harassment and discrimination. So that will be another uh, uh, four shows. So it'll actually be uh, 16 shows a month now. Wow. How do you manage all those? Not easily. <laughs> I mean, my hosts, I tell them, look, if you want to do a show on my network, it's going to take you about 12 hours a month because it's not just the hours of the show, but it's also getting the guests, doing the write-ups, getting it to the station, making sure the, sh the guests will be there on time, etc. With me, it already takes me 20 hours a month with my 12 shows, so it'll probably be another five hours uh, added to that. So it's being very organized, very disciplined, but that's how I am anyway. So, um, you know, that's how I build a business with seven offices and all those people is by being very organized and very disciplined. And I, that's not my, my nature is not organized. My nature is disciplined. My nature is persistent. But I also know that if I don't have certain things organized, life is not going to be good. So um, I have taught myself to be organized on the things I need to be organized on. How do you find all of the guests for your shows? Well, I have uh, some book publishers that send me uh, uh, bios of their authors, and I decide whether they're appropriate for, for one of the shows. 
Um, I also meet people everywhere because I go everywhere. And so I meet people that way. And um, sometimes I'll just hear somebody and I'll get in touch with them and ask them to be on the show. But it's not easy because I'm doing those 12 shows every single month. So you can imagine how many guests I have to be responsible for. And uh, it is not easy. But it's what has, it has to be done. And your shows are how long each? Well, the um, Living Regret Free and the Women in Business are 30-minute shows. It's actually 25 minutes of airtime. And my SOB, my Spunky Old Broad Show, is a an hour. And uh, what we do is we do it in two parts. We do part one and part two. And so we do part one, we take a break, and then we do part two. So the people on that show uh, get, well, about with commercials and things like that, somewhere around 50 minutes. Okay, so there's one guest. Right, one guest. Interesting. Any other suggestions that you might have for our listeners who are authors, business owners, some are 50-plus women. Hopefully none of them are living with regret. Well, you know, I think the uh, important thing is to understand good publicity is always positive. There's so much negativity in the world today. Good publicity, positive things are important for, for people to hear. And so you can build yourself up as the celebrity in your industry. For example, let's take a dentist. Um, most dentists are very technical. I mean, they want to drill teeth. They want to make your teeth better. They want to save your gums. Uh, they want to do all kinds of things for your mouth. But they don't think about if they were on TV um, and talking about uh, health, mouth care or tooth care or gum care. And even if they did, you know, these three-minute segments on TV, they could put together a sizzle wheel that could be running in their office, and they would be the celebrity dentist in their neighborhood. And that would increase their visibility, and people would say, yeah, well, I'm going to the celebrity dentist, you know, not just an ordinary dentist, the celebrity dentist. But they don't think like that because that's not how they were trained or taught. So the publicity that it gets you, um, if you use it properly and you use it in your marketing and your advertising, that will bring you business. And the same thing with any kind of business, whether it's air conditioning or whether it's, you know, uh, running a small boutique. If you, if you have the right things in your segment, your little three-minute segment, and you do enough of them, then it's something... For example, let's say you're in wherever, uh, Idaho, and it's a very small town, and you probably have maybe two or three television stations, but that's it. Supposing you were the, the dentist from that little town that was on 10 different stations all over the country, and you came back, and you were showing that in your waiting room, that you've been on all these stations all around the country, that would establish you in that little small town as a celebrity dentist. 
nobody would be able to touch you. The other thing is you can also become the resident expert if you develop a great relationship with radio stations in your town or the TV station in your town. If they have a segment that they're doing that they need an expert opinion on and you are known for that in your area, they will call you as the local expert, no matter what you are, you know, whether it's got to do with with unfortunately the the shootings that we've seen, or whether it's the the uh, new discovery, or whether it's uh, a scientific experiment. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that you might be an expert in, and locally you are called in because you have an opinion that matters. And that can be really powerful when the producers call you instead of you having. Oh, absolutely. Them. But you have to make them aware of who you are. So that's one of the reasons why you've got to do your own little PR campaign to the different stations in your local area so that they know you are there. There is an old joke on The Tonight Show that when Tony Randall, you know, was alive, uh, they, he was on The Tonight Show, I think, more than any other guest. Why? Because he lived blocks from the station, and every time they had a guest that canceled, they call Tony, and he'd come on over and be on the Tonight Show. So, I mean, those things do happen. So we just have to figure out where the um, shows are and move close by. That's exactly right. And unfortunately, I know you work with authors, and of course, they, they are business owners. They are, you know, all kinds of different professions, but they don't really think sometimes outside of the box. And part of success in business is national news, national publicity, um, and getting on these various stations and networks. All of that contributes to who you are and your expertise. How You had mentioned earlier that you provide some training. What kind of training do you provide? Well, I, I actually have a program that shows people uh, what they have to do. We, we create a, a segment proposal for them. We train them in the techniques they need for uh, being a good guest on TV and on radio. And we work on all the things they need so that when people actually, you know, they, what they should use as props and even such things as live props. I mean, sometimes you need to bring, let's say, if you bring a pet, for example, from the Humane Society, which was usually loves this, to do this kind of thing, uh, I mean, the pet will overshadow you. There's no question about that. But people love it, and, and they will pay attention because people love to watch pets. So um, you can use a, a, a child. You can use a, a pet. Uh, there's different things that you can do. One of the segments I was on, I think I was in Tucson, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Arizona, and SeaWorld uh, was there, and um, they had traveled with these animals to um, be on the segment, and they had all kinds of different animals with them. I mean, it was very, very interesting, and um, so people loved it because they had never really seen these things up close, and, um, you know, so there's just a whole bunch of uh, things that we discuss, what your script should be, what your point should be. Because what you might think is a good point, Judy, the TV audience may not think of as a good point. So 
we come up with the points that are relevant to what you're talking about and then the props that you use to emphasize that. So all of that is covered in the program. Is the, the program one in person or virtual? Well, there's a couple of different. I have a, I have a two-hour uh, course, a video um, online that they can take, which gives them, you know, the key points. Then um, we have a, an individual coaching program, which they can come and do a deep dive on a day with me, a day and a half with me, in person. Uh, or we can do it through Skype uh, if, if they don't want to travel, you know, to where I am. And so there is a way of doing that virtually. So it can be in person. It can be virtual. There's a two-hour course they can take. Uh, so there's a variety of things that they can do. That's wonderful. Um, I understand also that you have some media tips that you are willing to uh, offer to our audience. I do. If they will go to www.s, like, like funky, S-O-B, like boy, S-O-B, the number six, tips.com, www.sob6tips.com. Uh, I will give them six secrets that they need to know for their TV and radio interview. That's great. We can all use, even if we know about them, it'll refresh our memory. Uh, and if we don't know about them, then we'll be keyed in on how to get the TV and radio interviews to get us more publicity. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, and you know, it's getting on radio and TV is a strategy, just like anything else you do. I mean, you have to work at it. You have to concentrate. Uh, it's frustrating. It's time consuming, but it's worth it. So that's the way you have to look at it. Okay. If people wanted to get in touch with you, Gail, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, they can go to my website, which is funkyoldfraud.com. They can email me at Gail, and that's G-A-Y-L-E, Gail Carson 13 at gmail.com. They can email me there. Um, and uh, my office number is um, 800-541-8846. Wonderful. So you've got lots of different opportunities to reach out to Gail with her phone number, her email address, and her website. Exactly. Anything else <laughs> that you want to share, Gail? Just, um, I want, because I know you're working primarily with authors, and I know that the people who have written their books are passionate about what they've written. And they don't want it to be the best kept secret. I mean, writing a book is one thing. Getting it published is another thing. And then in getting people to buy it is another thing. So I, I want people to really think about what it is that they would say if they were on a radio show or on a TV show, what would they say about their book 
that makes it so meaningful that people would stop and listen. Because people are multitasking all the time. And they may be listening to the radio and, and, and doing something else. They might be listening in a car. And we are, by the way, in cars as well um, on, on the AHA network, AHA. And, um, you know, if, think about why I would want to listen to you talk about your book with enough excitement and enthusiasm for me to run to go out and get it. That's the important thing. So you were on the AHA Network. We had Mitchell Levy as our guest last month. Oh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, you can program AHA.com in your car. <laughs> very good. Okay, well, Gail, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything that you shared with us today. Um, I wish there were a magic button that you could press that would enable people to get on TV. It sounds like it's a bit more complicated, but as you mentioned, it can be time-consuming, it can be frustrating, but it can also be really worth it for increasing your credibility, your visibility, and getting people to buy your book. Absolutely, and, and I certainly, I thank you for having me, Judy. I really, really appreciate it and hope that some of the hints that I gave today will, will help your, your listeners and your authors get to where they want to go because people need to hear what they have to say. That's right. It's not just reading what you have to say. they got to hear about it so that they know that they can go read about it as well. Right, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Well, next month, our Skill Bites show is going to be on March 21st from 1 to 2 Eastern. Our guest will be Rick Itzkowicz, who is a Vistage chair, an entrepreneur, a speaker, and the author of the upcoming Referral Playbook. Rick is also an official member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a recognized Forbes Community Voice contributor, and a successful millionaire entrepreneur who creates turnkey lead generation tips to meet today's demand for tools to increase your business. Rick's going to share tips on how to increase sales with proven networking strategies, and he's also going to touch upon the mindset that you need in order to win at the game of getting people to know, like, and trust you. He's going to share how he uses technology to save time and stay top of mind with his connection, so when they're ready to buy, they think of him. Save the date, March 21st, from 1 to 2 Eastern. Thanks, everybody. 